Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham, and thank you for joining me today for another episode. Today's guest is, she's just amazing. That's all I have to say. <laughs> she really is. And she calls herself a spirit activist. Tessa Lord is all about love. And her motto is love is the weapon of mass illumination. We have this most fantastic conversation about what it means to be spirit in the human form and how love is the answer to all of life's problems. We even talk about the controversial Supreme Court overruling of Roe versus Wade. And let me tell you, her perspective on it is very interesting and exciting. So stay tuned for that conference for part of that. Also, I would like to say and announce that today is our 50th episode. I am so thankful to everyone who has listened to all of the episodes and for all of the amazing guests that I've had on the podcast up until now who have shared their journey of spiritual transformation. I am truly blessed to be able to host a platform where people are able to talk about their spiritual journeys. And my prayer is that their lights shine so bright in the dark corners of our universe and mind that transformation is without a doubt possible and occurs for everyone. Now, next Sunday, I wanted to let you know, I am talking with the Miss Morgana Ray. She shares her spiritual journey from scarcity to massive abundance. <laughs> and she walks us through the six steps to turn your personal money monster of scarcity into a money honey of abundance. It's a fascinating interview that I know you will love. So please join me next Sunday, August 28th at 9 a.m. Eastern for this inspiring conversation with Miss Morgana Ray. And also, as always, please subscribe on Apple or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and now TikTok. I'm also on TikTok. It's very interesting. I've enjoyed my TikTok videos here lately. <laughs> All of the links are provided in the show notes for you. So definitely go and check those out there. And you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter. This way you won't miss an episode when it becomes available. And if you like what you hear on Butterfly Kisses, please leave us a review. I would love to have five stars. That would be awesome. And also share it with your friends and family. The more that we can inspire others to shine their light, the more impact we can make in this world. So now help me welcome Miss Tezza Lord. Tezza, thank you so much for joining us. And I just absolutely love your name. We were just talking about your name and let's start there. Can you tell us what does Tezza mean? <laughs> well, hello to you and the world and, and names are so important. Because they are. They are so important. And the Native Americans actually had a custom where all the people within the tribe close to the newborn would give their name, their offering of a name. And then as the child grew, the child got to pick which name really fit their mm -hmm. temperament or what they like to hear. Sometimes it's just a sound. And I was given a name I did not like. I don't need to say it here. It's a, it was a very common name. And 
all my life, I had nicknames and I had really funny nicknames ever since I was a kid. I just never used my first name. And so by the time I got to be a teenager, I was going by my last name, which was Bates, like Norman Bates from Psycho. <laughs> so long story short, I was called Bates by all my friends. And then as a young woman, I started doing botanical work. That's part of my story. I did a lot of work with earth scientists and I was a botanical illustrator. And they were very involved in South America. That's where the, the juicy plant medicines are that we are all talking about these days. And so my botanical friends started calling me Batez, Bateza instead of Bates. And that's how Batez turned into Teza. And so at one point in my life, I said, I am going to take this as my really legal given name because I need to rebirth myself, just like the butterfly comes mm -hmm. out of chrysalis. So I flew and spread my wings as Teza officially. Everybody accepted it except my mother. Mm -hmm. a hard time, but toward the end of her life, she did come around and and she started calling me Tessa after about 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story of Tessa. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's hard to give up a name that you've, you've given your child, but I can totally see why you would want to rebirth your name and make it your own. And I just, I love the name Tessa. It's unique and it fits you. Yes, it's very important to identify with what people call you. And if it feels uncomfortable, which always, it was, was my case, even as a kid, I just said, that's not who I am. And so I started searching. And some of my nicknames were very funny from, you know, TV characters. And at one time, I'm very large. I'm a large woman. I'm very tall. And uh, at one point, I was Gorgo. <laughs> that was okay with me. I was the original Gorgo in our group. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. It's very yeah. funny. I can't see you as a Gorgo. I like Teza better. Yeah, it was kind of a funny name to live up to, but it was better than Silvertooth, which is one mm -hmm. of my nicknames because I had a fake tooth. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know names are very important. They are. And as a kid, I was called many different names and none of them all not so pretty, but I kind of like my name now, Amy. Yeah. yeah, it's sweet. It's a sweet name. And, and butterflies are sweet. And the podcast, the whole, the whole image of butterflies, you think sweetness and light because the butterflies are so light and airy. But you know what's so interesting is the process they go through in order to become light and airy. And it's yes. not a very fun process. And right. When we're going through the awakening process, it's not fun sometimes. Well, they have times. <laughs> they give up of themselves, their own bodies, their own nutrients, yeah. their own essence to become these magnificent free creatures from those crawly things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get to where you are today? I was just on this path since the moment I can remember. I had a lot of deja vu when I was a kid. I had been here before. Mm -hmm. I recognized places, people, things. And I felt, wow, this is very familiar to me. And so I kept wondering, like, why does it feel like I've been here before? <laughs> 
But yet at the same time, I did not feel comfortable in my family. My family of origin was like a challenge for me. And so I had conflict and I had to resolve conflict. And so at one point I felt very comfortable because I've been here before, but then the other part of me was, okay, sometimes I would just feel so connected with nature and so connected with what's going on, but yet people would come and say, stop being like that. You come down from there, like meaning up in the ethereal realms rather than being grounded on the earth. At one point I was slapped silly by a, a teaching nun because I could not stop making the sign of the cross. I just felt entranced. This is like in first grade. And I, I was not trying to be a troublemaker. I absolutely could not stop after a, a morning prayer. And so I was always being misunderstood. And so I went on a quest. I said, I am going to find out how to be comfortable in life. And I've documented my life story in my four books, and I will continue writing my story and other people's stories and made up stories because stories to me are the great way of sharing what, what other people want to know and also about how to, to make sure that our stories don't get lost and also the art that I do, they're very narrative. There's stories within my art. It's not just a bunch of color or paint thrown around. There's actual characters, there's interaction. You can see the dynamics of, of power and, and beauty and form. So, so my story basically was a creative one. And I began to be an artist just as a, a kid and I started copying and was an expert draftsman by the time I got to be in high school and in trouble for copying a lot of things like library books. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that, but that's how I taught myself how to draw. So by the time I got to be an adult, I had good training as an artist. I went to one of the best art schools in America and I immediately dove in and became a professional botanical illustrator. And so my journey is a mixture of spiritual yearning and also really interested in the sciences and literature and that part of the world where we communicate with our skills. Mm. So that's basically in a nutshell, my story. An amazing story. And one of the, so people that are listening, you can't see this right now, but for those who are watching this, the painting right behind Tessa is one of her, her paintings. Yes. We can yes, see I that. Live my work. I love, I would love it if everybody bought every single thing that I have in my home and studio, but I have a, a lot of work. So I love to live. I, I am my favorite artist. If people want to go to my website, they can see my galleries. I have paintings and sculptures and botanical illustrations from my leftover you know, incarnation as a botanical illustrator, which I stopped doing in my young 20s. Mm -hmm. Then I visionary work. So part two of my story though, if you want to hear part two. Yes, tell me. Part two was during the Vietnam era, because I am that old, I was very angry. You know, like people are very upset about politics these days. What I did with my anger was I left. You know, they kept saying, love it or leave it. 
Well, I left and I spent the entire 70s in the Caribbean. I sailed from island to island. I had inter-island shipping business. I had a restaurant in St. Thomas. I, I did portraits when I ran out of money. I, I made jewelry. I did museum exhibits. And I just lived with very simple means. And I, I, get, I loved to rough it. I loved to be without luxury. I loved to see that I could just be on my own with a spoon and basically a bikini. <laughs> That's how I like a spoon and a bikini. <laughs> and I stayed away until the first year hurricanes came along and they named them after men, David and Frederick, that was 79. And it blew away all the businesses that I had created, tropical fruit shipping. And literally the two islands I was doing business on and with Dominica and the Dominican Republic, two very similar sounding islands, but very, very different, very far apart. They were destroyed by those two hurricanes. Oh, wow. And, and so I said, okay, the universe is telling me something. So it was time to move on. And you came back to the United States at that point? or First, I went to the Middle East. I spent a year in Israel. And um, I wanted to explore what the Middle East was all about. And so I did a lot of art there and, and you know, just really absorbed what was going on in, in, in the so-called, you know, the beginnings of our civilization, our, our Judeo-Christian world, the Abrahamic world. And so I was intrigued with that. And I'm also intrigued by South America. So eventually I came back to America. And where did I go? From the jungles, I went to the biggest jungle in the world, the concrete jungle of Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, that well, was a big adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a jungle. It, it is a jungle. It is. Yeah. People it's were a pretty jungle. Of, it's a pretty jungle. But. It's a pretty jungle. But once you learn the rules of any jungle, you can be comfortable. You just have to learn the rules. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let me ask you, just to get back just a minute, what, what type of things did you learn living in the Middle East during your time there? Well, the conflict is so ingrained in people's DNA that mm -hmm. I actually wrote about it quite a bit in my latest book, Hybrid Bigger, which is the, the book about how animals can teach us many things about how to be better human beings. And in this one instance, I'm just talking about how we can learn to be patient and kind from you know, like an animal, like a deer or, you know, and just listen to people. Because when I was in the Middle East, I had an experience where an older woman invited me into her home to have meals and we got to know each other. And so I asked her one day, I said, what, why is there such a problem between the Israelis and the Arabs? She transformed and instantly this kind granny looking lady started to tremble and her lips curled in like the way people do when they just like react with anger, like they've been bitten by a snake. She said, I can't explain it. It's just in our blood. And I realized that it has been handed down for so many generations that they will take many generations to work it out. But there are people who are working it out. And while I was there, for instance, there was a German basketball team that came to play 
young people to play with the Israeli basketball team. And there are international uh, orchestras, for instance, where especially Germans and, and Israelis and Arab people are invited to play instruments. So there's a lot of diplomatic things, intercultural things, but it's going to take generations for this DNA deep hatred to, to dissolve. And it's also true with, I believe, what's happening with extremists in the terrorist world and any extremists, any, any extremists, even in America, we have our extremists. It, it's not going to be an overnight situation for people to eradicate their hatred. And that's why I call myself a spirit activist because I am dedicated to spreading love. And love is the only remedy for people who are filled with hatred. And they just have to be bombarded with love. And that love is the weapon of mass illumination. So if we just keep sending love, like, like I do this meditation even on Putin, Putin, surround him with love. I don't hate him, I'm confused by him, but I put love around him and in hopes that he will be influenced to come to his right senses and, mm -hmm. to, have, and to have an opening an opening because obviously his consciousness is deeply affected by his ego. So any people feel that way if there's an intrinsic hatred. And in the Middle East, there is almost like a DNA factor. And the, the odd thing about it is the Arabs and the Israeli people, the Jewish people as a, not a nation even, but as a race, they're cousins. They're absolute cousins. Like the their children, both of them came from descendants of Abraham. So they're, they're related. And, and they, they have to just, one of these days, accept each other. And I hope that they will. And I believe they will. Because of people like you and me and everybody who believes in love as being the answer. I read actually today, it's really funny that you bring it up, that Mother Teresa was quoted as saying she, will, she would never attend a march, but she would always be there for a peace rally. Right. Because, because you can't win a war by having more war. You have to win it by love. Exactly. Through yes. Love. That is my belief and, I, and, and that is the truth of the universe. I mean, I've been around long enough where I've tested. <laughs> You know, like, mm -hmm. hey, let's try hating this. It never works. The energy just comes back at you and bites you in the ass. The only person who gets hurt when you bother having, having revenge or bad feelings about somebody is the person who's doing the hating. Mm -hmm. I had an interesting experience. Even this morning, I went to have some blood drawn. Mm -hmm. And I had gone to the doctor's office first thing this morning. And I was probably one of her first patients. And I walked in and she was very curt and very, and not mm. very, it's eight o'clock in the morning. So she's probably hopefully awake, but mm -hmm. <laughs> she's getting ready to jab me in the arm with a needle. And I'm thinking to myself, Hmm, you could cut the tension in this room with a knife because it was so oh. feel the energy. So she was in the back room. And I thought to myself, I need to send love to this room. And literally mm. I just filled the room with just love and just mm -hmm. not trying to change her but just change the my environment around what I had yeah. around me 
she came back in and she was just the sweetest lady and so nice. And we laughed and joked and I got in and out really quickly. And I thought to myself, thank you. <laughs> I know people should experiment with these little tricks just like that. And um, like sometimes I'll, I'll see somebody in a restaurant who's having a bad moment or they're having an argument and I'll just silently send them love or, or it could be somebody who's an invalid and they really need love. They need it. And I'll just silently send to them, not for me to feel better, but for them to either have whatever that more they need because they're in discomfort or to, hmm, to just change the energy, mm -hmm. to change the energy in the room. Yeah. And I firmly, I believe for myself, you know, everybody's perfectly perfect. Our souls are perfect and nobody quote, it has taken me 50 years to figure this out, but that nobody needs fixing quote unquote, we're all just perfectly perfect. However, <laughs> well, there is darkness in the world and mm -hmm. love is the answer, I feel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being a spiritual activist and positive thinking, how can people start to change the way they think, the way they look at things, their perspective, especially with the way the world is right now in this particular moment in time? Oh, this particular moment. I am so anxious to get off this podcast because I'm going to write a letter in response to what happened in the Supreme Court and I'm going to express in a very short succinct way and I'm going to actually send it to major newspapers because we need to bring a positive slant to everything in life especially things that disrupt the harmony of, uh, of culture and so what happened with the uh, dissolution of, of Roe versus Wade is a heartbreak for, I think, the freedom of women. And, and I have a lot to say about that. But if you, like, it's, it's also as a result of, I, we had a spiritual meeting with some friends last night and one of my dearest friends said, you're so naive to me in terms of not understanding how awful the political repercussions are of what happened. And I said, you know what? I don't call myself naive, but I do call myself not trusting politics. I do trust spirit. I do trust love. And I do trust that the universe is in charge and that for whatever reason, the swing of the pendulum is stuck on this side right now. It's going to swing the other way because of people like us who spread love and we're not out there having blood and daggers as a result of, of this unhappy situation. So when I meet an individual who hears what I have to say, that I'm a spirit activist, because I don't say spiritual activist because it sounds like, oh, I'm so spiritual. I'm a, <laughs> but no, my, the activism that I do is let's trust spirit. Let's trust supreme consciousness or some people call it god consciousness or cosmic consciousness or christ consciousness what buddha consciousness whatever you call it the divine the sacred in life let's trust that and and people look at me sometimes like as if i'm crazy but i invite that i i, I invite as long as nobody's going to be belligerent 
And if somebody is not belligerent and they would say, well, what do you mean? How can you, how can you not trust government? How can you trust spirit and not trust government? And then I could go in, that's an entree. I was invited to explore more. I can slough off more of this energy, the essence and share with them ideas and images and experiences, real live experiences that I've had because these aren't just philosophies that I'm spewing out at this stage of my life, they're actual experiences. And just like the, the books that I have, they're, thank God I've had this amazing life because they make incredible books. And I didn't realize it at the time, I was just compelled to have adventure. I did not want to be a career person. I didn't even want to have a family. My husband and I married in our mid forties <laughs> and I inherited his two beautiful children. So I did get to be a mom. I'm a stepmom. I call it angel mom. So I got to raise these two beautiful kids. And I always knew that whatever I needed for my soul's growth would come to me without me having to get very upset about it. Once I got clear about what I thought I needed, and then I just asked the universe, and voila, you have to be really careful about what you ask the universe for, because mm. more often than not, you will get it. <laughs> Why do you trust spirit and not the politics? Oh, the spirit is so reliable for one thing. Spirit and politics are terribly, I'm sorry to say, both sides of the coin I, I find fault with either way, but I do vote. I want to say I do vote because when I left the country, like I told you earlier, I had turned my back on the government and I, I refused to vote for many years, for decades, until I came back in the uh, 90s, I started voting after not voting for 20 years. So I trust spirit because spirit is consciousness. Spirit is the magic of life. It's the elixir of life. It's the mystery of life. And I trust the mystery because I've seen it. I've seen its power. I've been at, at the bedside of birth and I've been at the bedside of death. And that's pure spirit. In those two instances, it is pure spirit. All the other times we, we have to kind of fake it till we make it if we want to bring in that feeling of what spirit really is. But when you're actually at a birth or a death, when the spirit of a human being or an animal for that matter, any animal that's giving birth or is dying, there's this spiritual lessening or, or enhancing. And you can, it's a feeling and you can't see it necessarily. Although my mother said she saw her mother's spirit leaving like a veil just drifting, I mean, that's amazing. My mother had some amazing experiences. With me, when I was with my parents individually, th 30 years apart when they left their bodies, it was not a visual thing, but it was an energetic thing. And it was so strong and it was so real. And I was also given proof about the oneness of our interconnectedness with the consciousness of spirit by my father as he left as a gift to me, which I talk about in my first book, We Are One. He gave me this proof of something that I felt because I'm a 
meditator. I've been meditating since very young. And among other things, I do a lot of other things besides meditate, but I had my years of partying and now I'm a completely uh, like drug-free, alcohol-free alcohol -free person for the last almost 40 years because I went way off the other end looking for the answers, you know, looking mm -hmm. in the thrills. It ain't there. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah. When, you, what you, when you get solid assurance that we are all one, for instance, just that one completely <laughs> all-encompassing harmonious feeling of life when you can say with without a shadow of a doubt that we are all one which I can at this point because of my experiences because of of my teaching teachers who have come to me that I've sought out because of the friends that I cultivate and the experiences just even going gardening instead of going shopping the things that we do with our life when we live with that assurance of peace that it's within us, how could anybody ever trust politics? <laughs> it's absurd because politics is like tossing a coin in the air. You know, really, who's going to who's going to get the coin this time? <laughs> well, let me ask you this question because people are very divided on this issue. And there's some people mm -hmm. that are very happy that the Supreme Court ruled the way they did. And then there's people mm -hmm. who are very upset with the ruling and mm -hmm. they violated by the ruling. So I feel that, that as like you had said, love is the answer, but how can love play a part in this to bridge the two worlds or the two differences, the two sides? Well, first of all, my husband and I have dedicated our podcast to help heal the divide. So we have talked about many different aspects of the division that's currently happening in our culture. But in particular, in reference to the Supreme Court's ruling about the Roe case, I can say that, yes, there are some people who are happy about it and some people who are very unhappy about it. And that's the way society is, and especially in democracy. Thank God we have a democracy and we don't have a dictatorship like Mr. Putin saying, well, you just got to do it and we're not even going to have a Supreme Court to decide. So we do have a democracy. But I believe love, one of the major attributes of love, besides compassion, is acceptance. And we have to accept the fact that there are people on both sides. Neither one is right. Both are right. And we have, just like a marriage. Okay, I married my husband. I'm a mystic. I believe in spirit. He's a hardcore, born again, Christian Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> we had to do some work. <laughs> we had to find some commonality because the love was very strong. Mm-hmm. And we just knew that we were destined to be together, but we had two different ways of approaching, especially how we talk about God. Mm -hmm. And me, I don't like adjectives when I talk about God. And he, you know, he said, give me the Bible and I'll tell you all about it. So just like in that instance, and we have had a 30 year, it'll be 31 years in October. It's, it's a wonderful thing to compromise and to find commonality with love 
as your as your directive. And so with us, it was a language problem. We needed to find the right language to come together to realize we were talking about exactly the same thing. He used a different set of words and I used a different set of words. And I believe the same thing will happen when we, because we're just beginning to sort out this abortion issue. It's not ended, folks. <laughs> this is just yeah. the beginning. <laughs> and the beginning will be a very interesting conversation of true semantics that have to be ironed out because you know legal people and it's all legal matter and it's going to be blow by blow and step by step and word by word but it will get worked out I truly believe I know that in my heart because there are so many strong people who are unhappy with what, what happened it's not just going to shoved under the rug it's not <laughs> it's not so I feel very very not happy but excited to see how it's going to be handled and it's not dissimilar to something I went through in my life I was the representative of our family we have a beautiful the Lord family that I married into and I was the representative in a court case that came to be because in the transcribing of a document, a clerk mistyped one word, one word. And we were in court for years and hundreds of thousands of dollars to protect the legacy of this particular uncle in this case, so that it wouldn't be gobbled up by the other family that was claiming that it was all theirs because that one word destroyed the legitimacy of that legal, legally binding contract, which was his will. So I know how legalese is, and this will be worked out because we have a lot of smart people these days who are pro-life and pro-choice, and they're going to have a very interesting time in the future, and it will get worked out. And everybody will be satisfied because that's the way that democracy is. And we live in a democracy. This is not the end of democracy. This is just a little blip. And, um, you know, I've said in, in my books, I write about how we are all teeny boppers. We as a human race, we've just started evolving. I mean, and the amazing amount of evolution that's happened since, like, look at the digital age, has just skyrocketed. We're communicating, look, on Zoom and mm -hmm. an instant. And before that, like 50 years ago, I mean, I lived on an island where I couldn't even call home except when the weather allowed the telephone signals to go through. And so the evolution of our human race is, is just a magical thing. And we just have to be patient. We're not going to solve this overnight. It's mm -hmm. like the... It's like the Jewish Arab situation. We will work it out. I love, <laughs> I love the way you look at things. I think it's, it's very positive. It's very loving and it's so grounded. Well, it's, it's the truth too, because it's not just my truth. But, you know, I've seen it with animals, for instance. I mean, if you look at an animal who's sick, they just curl up and go to sleep. They don't go crazy. They don't go get medicine. They don't, you know, do anything they just sleep and we we can learn so much from animals 
and they have patience and they accept their lot. If they got chewed up in a fight, they, okay, they got chewed up in a fight, a territorial fight. They just go and lick their wounds and then they wait until they heal. And then they do something about, they may have to move to another place to have peace, or if they really want that spot, they're gonna get some buddies to help them and they're going to do something else. But the animals have a lot to teach us. And right now we need to have patience and we need to never ever lose hope. And also keep in mind that if we decide not to go with trusting the universe that it's going to work out okay, then we get into disharmony with our cellular makeup and probably we'll get sick. So I, I want to be a healthy person. I'm 74 years old right now and I feel great. I've done yoga and meditation all my life in between all the other stuff. And mostly I would say it's the positive attitude that keeps us healthy. That's beautiful. Well, where can people find you? Where can they find your books and your art? Your- well, everything is available on tezalore.com and of course, Amazon and the podcast is everywhere. And my YouTube channel has wonderful mind stiller guided meditations and a free yoga class that I make very simple for people. I walk us through the seven chakras, the different levels of consciousness that mm-hmm. all yoga understand, which is available to every person who's alive. You know, these different levels of consciousness that we can balance and make sure that we have a happy life by keeping all of them in good shape and in harmony. And what is the name of your podcast? It's Z Lord, because I sign my painting Z, like from Tezza, there's a Z mm-hmm. in there, Z Lord. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a social media whore, a good whore. <laughs> I'm, I'm out there all the time on Twitter and Instagram. And <laughs> well, because I promote love, you know, I mean, I, I never, I'm really, I, I, I would not call myself a Mother Teresa, but I'd never, ever join in dissing anybody. I think that's so negative. It's just going to come back and kick anybody who does that. But some people are addicted to that. People get addicted to these negative emotions. They don't realize that they have a choice, that they can become addicted to having, okay, if they don't like the word happiness, you could have contentment. Contentment is a good word because it doesn't sound ridiculously, why should I be happy when the world is struggling? But it's our birthright. If you look at a baby, a baby is born happy. That's the way we are meant to be. Mm -hmm. What is one thing that people can do to start being love today? Well, to watch your thoughts. They're sneaky, even I, even I have to watch when a negative thought comes in, like just being with somebody and say, oh, they have something that I don't have. That's, that's a negative thought. They're, they're supposed to have it. I'm not. And so I watch my thoughts. And when I see that there's a negative thought, I'll turn it around and I'll bless myself for having seen it and realize it's all about having the choice. Now choice just means we're awake, we're aware, and we realize the consequences of our thinking because every action starts with a thought. So if we allow negative thinking to come in and make themselves at home, 
we're just inviting the bad things to happen to us. We're either going to get scowls on our face or an actual disease. And I truly believe that we could protect ourselves with, with our mind. When I get in a car, I put a protection around myself and the car so that no errant driver out there is going to hurt me. I do the exact same thing. Yes, like an aura of protection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then it also protects not only myself, but those around me as well. So, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. People. So one other question that I ask all of my guests, and I'm going to ask you as well. If you have an hour to sit someplace in your favorite location, maybe in the Caribbean or in the Middle East, or even in Florida where you're at now, and you have an hour to sit and talk with someone, whether that person be on this side of the veil or the other side, who would that person be? And what would you talk about? Hmm. Hmm. It's an interesting question. Well, I would talk to my mother. My mother and I had a hard time in life. And you know what? We're becoming friends in the spirit world because she, she was not happy with the way I became. She thought I was, at first when I was a child, she thought I was a little crazy. <laughs> and then as an adult, she thought I was not successful enough, you know, having a career. And when I became a mother, finally at the age of 44, a stepmom, she began to say, hmm, there might be hope for you. And so by the time she left her body at the age of 97, she understood that I was okay, but it took her a long time. And so in my dreams, we've been having some fun. We've been playing as almost like two kids, like in wheelbarrows and everything. And I really love that. I love the fact that mom doesn't have to be in her physical body for me to understand her and for she to understand me. So I think it would be my mother because, you know, she gave me birth mm -hmm. and it was a difficult relationship and we're just now ironing it out. So I think a good long conversation would put the seal on it. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I like that. There were some hard issues, you know, family, that's how we do our work. We mm -hmm. are in the families we're supposed to be in all my younger mm -hmm. life. I thought, oh no, that can't be right because I just was <laughs> wrong family. <laughs> but my family pushed me and pushed me and pushed me to become the person I am because I couldn't swallow what they were giving me. And so I had to discover my own truth, which wasn't their truth. And it wasn't their religion's truth. And it wasn't even the culture's truth. So I basically had to be a pioneer. And I'm very happy with what I've discovered. And I've, I've also lost some other family members because of my truth. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You know, I don't think that blood family necessarily has to be our best friends. <laughs> Mm -hmm. we, we are given the families, the blood families that we have for a reason. And we have to figure it out. Like one of my greatest teachers was my peasant farmer, Lithuanian grandmother. She could barely speak English. And she's the one who wove this piece of tapestry behind me. 
And uh, she was a very important person in my life because she was truly a woman of the earth. She taught me how to milk cows. She taught me how to, you know, see the chickens lay uh, their eggs and the, the meaning of harmony. And, you know, we just don't know where we're going to get our teachings from, but everybody in this existence is so precious. We choose our families for a reason. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. And which is pretty amazing to, if you think about it. But yeah, it's, it's nice if we can get to the place where we can say, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> And stop running away. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Tessa, thank you so much for joining us on Butterfly Kisses today. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and you are definitely love. So thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure to be with you, Amy. <laughs> thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.